June. You're on the panel, RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here. I'm with Sue Bradford and Jordan Williams today. Quite a bit of response. I never thought I'd agree with Sue Bradford, but I think she's right on track regarding the public service. It is attracting, in this person's view, the safe and mediocre and not the talented and passionate. Um, regarding veganism or actually just vegetarian meal, my son is a vegan chef in Tel Aviv. He cooked one day for my guests about eight different colourful dishes, one more delicious than the other. My guests were astounded and said, if this is vegan, count us in. <laughs> uh, and some wonderful responses to a library, a local library that really means a lot to you. Here's one. Shout out to the Wanganui District Library who have just advised me they have purchased a book I recommended. They also put books on hold and email when it's ready to be collected. And if you visit, you get a coffee, which the coffee maker brings to you whenever you're in the library. What? Wow. <laughs> Wow, don't tell the taxpayers you knew about that. that. Yeah, sounds, make, it sounds, sounds fantastic. You'd clamp down on that, wouldn't you? You'd <laughs> the put great, a kibosh the, on that, wouldn't you, Jordan Williams? hiring books in the library, though, is it gives you a deadline to read it. It's not like buying a book that can sit and gather dust for a few years. It's funny. It, how, how can other libraries emulate what Wanganu is doing? <laughs> that sounds fantastic. First up on the program, there are no cases of COVID-19 in the community today. After nearly 7,000 tests were processed yesterday with about 2,100 of these in the Wellington region, this after a Sydney tourist tested positive for the virus after a weekend visit to Wellington, moving the region into alert level two yesterday. New South Wales officials have confirmed a link between the tourist infection and the Bondi cluster with the variant yet to be confirmed by genomic sequencing. All four close contacts in Aotearoa of the tourists have tested negative for the virus. So for more on this, we are joined by... Uh, Rod Jackson, Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Auckland. Professor Jackson, kia ora. Kia ora. So new, no new cases after yeah. 7,000 tests, uh, 2,100 in Wellington. Um, how, how do you read that? Is that uh, quite reassuring to you thus far? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very reassuring. I mean, we're not, there could still be some cases, but um, it's a really good sign. I think we might have... We might have missed this one. Right. Yeah. Do you think the government has the current level two settings right uh, for Wellington? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Look, there's, um, I mean, the big worry is this Delta um, variant, which seems to be having an infection right about double the previous ones. Um, and so that means rather than, say, one person infecting two and then you know that those two people infecting two more so rather than going sort of two four eight sixteen we're sort of going four sixteen you know thirty two and so on it's just um if you let it get out of hand um it's it's too late you know if, if you wait it's too late um so i think they made the right decision Mm. Uh, I know that you've uh, you've uh, had a bit of a look uh, around the issue of uh, going overseas for a holiday. You yeah. know, um, in terms of perhaps holidays c- can wait. Does this current situation raise any concerns for you about yeah. how the travel bubble with Australia is operating? Well, I mean, my view. I mean, I've I've, I've said that I'm I'm not going to go to Australia until I've been vaccinated, um, and um, I. I think unless, I mean, I, I don't think we should be going for holidays to Australia. I think if you've got other reasons for doing it, that's a, that's a you know, it seems reasonable. But um, personally, I, I think maybe we opened up too quickly. Um, yeah. But having, 
Having said that, that's just my personal view about yes. um, whether I would go. So I'm not planning because, and, and my concern is one uh, to protect myself, but also potentially to protect others, others. Mm. who I might. If I get infected in my travel, <laughs> and I get infect others, that would um, that would obviously be a worry. But I think the great thing about New Zealand and Australia, I mean, we really are only we're the only two countries, you know, largest countries in the world that have gone for zero tolerance for community spread. And there's really only two choices: you either have zero tolerance or you don't. Um, there's no middle way. Um, and this is something that Taiwan has just um, discovered. Having done so well, they uh, they then took their eye off the ball and mm. they didn't lock down. I mean, gosh, and and now it's pretty much out of control. Oh goodness me! You either have zero tolerance or you don't. There's no middle way. We've got a panel here, Professor Jackson, numbering Sue yeah. Bradford and Sue. Do you have a question or thought? Um, oh, I think that um, New Zealand's played it about right on this with the, the travel to Australia and the cooks. Um, there's been a lot of pressure um, from parts of the political spectrum to open up earlier. They they really delayed a long time. And I have to say I'm the personal beneficiary of this because my youngest son just came back after two and a half years. He's been stuck in Melbourne with COVID oh, yeah. and he came back for a visit. And the family reunion side of that has been incredibly important. He's just gone back. But the fact that we could see him again after two and a half years was yeah. incredible. And Very I just important. feel that... Yeah. Um, around the country, our, our closeness to Australia and the yeah. fact that we both have um, zero tolerance and that mm. the government seem to be linking, liaising really well despite problems and issues about around the politics. No, I, I, I agree, and I, I, I said that I wouldn't go on a holiday. I think what you've described is, 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 a, family, is a family thing. I, I think... You know, I think if at the moment, if it's just to go for a holiday, go somewhere in New Zealand. Mm. Um, if it's about family, I, I agree with you, Sue. We have very strong links uh, with Australia and indeed um, the you know the Pacific. Um, and I think there's fam- a whole lot of family issues. But uh, you know, what's changed in the last little while is this new variant. It it, it it's you know it can get out of control very quickly, and I think we've probably dodged the bullet this time but um, you know there will be a next time um, so yeah but there's a lot of things we can do <laughs> I don't know whether you want to hear what, what we need I, I to do, do. Can, can you leave them to the mm. end because uh, we'll come back because they're, they're very important but Jordan well, has I, a question I just, you know, I, I, yeah. take your point that that um, and it's not just political it's different parts of government are telling us different things you know yeah. one part is saying to Australians come on over and the others are saying no 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 don't the um in the you said that we're probably a little bit soon to open up isn't more the question were we too soon to close it down when when it became clear that sort of Sydney's having some issues because I your public comments that yeah. actually we're dealing with something different this is twice yeah. as infectious it's become yeah. A lot clearer that it's it's airborne. You know these people getting infected from just just walking past. Um, I was actually supposed to be speaking at a conference in Sydney in three weeks' time, and mm-hmm. and obviously that's that's going to be off. But sure. had briefly considered sort of doing a little bit of a, 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 a holiday um, yeah. as well. But um, notwithstanding, um, uh, him having had both COVID yeah. jabs, and um, I've had one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we th- decided against that actually better to be just in and out. And the big mm-hmm. influence for us was the practicality of getting stuck in Australia yeah. for yeah. two or three weeks when you've yeah. got you know when you when you've got a job um, yeah. or you've got people relying on you is yeah. is impossible. Rod. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So 
your question was, could we have um, closed the borders with New South Wales earlier? Yeah, it, yeah. yeah uh, probably. <laughs> it's always easy. In, I mean, I mean, twenty twenty hindsight. Yeah, uh, and, and even though it looks like we might have dodged this one, I think with um, with the, with the Delta variant, we need to um, we need to respond more quickly. We re- <laughs> we really do because you know because you know there's two ways of dealing. Uh, I won't go into all the things we need to do, but there's two ways of dealing with with infection. One is rapid contact tracing, and the other is locking down. And uh, with this new variant. Our ability to contact trace quickly enough is questionable. It right. may not be possible. You know, it's one of the reasons why. I mean, you know, most people have never heard of contact tracing um, uh, two years ago with influenza. You know, and the reason you can't do it for influenza is by the time um, you've got it, you've already infected other people, so it's too mm. late. And the trouble with this Delta one is it's kind of getting closer and closer to the sort of influenza type approach. That's the worry. We have a question here, uh, yeah. Professor Jackson. We'll get on to a couple of uh, options we need to think about. Yeah. Can you uh, can you guess, please explain why they are confident the people who have tested negative are not still incubating the illness? Um, so you're saying, uh, uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm not confident. Mm. <laughs> so, so the question, the key, the key issue is what's, um, what's the incubation period, which is the the time from when you're exposed to an infected person and when you become infected. Is that, now, is that believed to be different because of the variant? Well, no, but it's, it is quite variable. It is quite variable. On average, I mean, it, it does, it's, it's, on average, it's three to five days in that order. But um, sometimes uh, people uh, get infected within two days, like they, they, they actually are infected infectious within two days and um, sometimes it's quite a lot longer um, so yeah I mean it's it's a good sign if no one I mean when was the guy here he was here on the weekend wasn't he and that means that people were getting tested yesterday so that was four or five days so um, if we haven't had any infection since then that's a really good sign I would expect some okay but, you know we talk about the average but there's quite a range there's now, fi- finally, I just wanted to bring up this uh, this cultural complacency. Another text here, just off a bus, several without a mask. I know. Where, where are inspectors to enforce the rule? They yeah. would catch the many fare evaders as well. But uh, in terms of what we can do, I know you wanted to address yeah. this. I mean, I'm going yeah. on a, uh, a bus in an hour and a half, uh, yeah. always wear a mask. But <laughs> that complacency is really starting yeah. to set in. Yeah. Yeah, so I think um, I think when we've got a, a risk in the community like what's happened right now, masks should be mandatory on um, public transport. So, um, I mean, we should be telling people to wear masks on public transport all the time. And I, I have to say, I get really annoyed when I see someone um, on the bus without one. Um, but certainly, uh, at the moment in Wellington, it should be mandatory. And in fact, is it mandatory? Yeah, it is. It is. I'm... It is mandatory. And I mean, I'd like it to be mandatory all the time, but that's possibly pushing it too far. But certainly, at the moment, it needs to be mandatory. Right, Professor Rod Jackson, Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Auckland. Thank you for your time there. Uh, it is uh, 19 past four. The panel are indeed national. Now, 
the Black Caps have won uh, cricket's uh, inaugural World Test Championship. New Zealand sealed an eight-wicket win over India late on the sixth and final day of the final in Southampton, chasing down a second innings target of 139 to secure the title. And the news, well, it reverberated around the sporting world. Crick Info UK editor Andrew Miller said it was a day for digging deep, something that this magnificent New Zealand team does better than almost any outfit in the world. Session Tendulkar, a cricket icon and the most prolific run maker of all time, tweeted to his 36 million followers just a few hours ago, congratulations Black Caps on winning. You were the superior team. So we thought we'd get super fan Mayor of Whanganui, Hamish Wadulam, who in the 90s, alongside his extraordinary uh, knowledge of David Bowie in Mastermind, wrote the who's who of New Zealand cricket, more recently a book on Chris Cairns, and last year added around 600 cricket books to his collection, courtesy of, jo- courtesy of Joseph Romanos. Uh, Hamish, kia ora. G'day, Wallace. How are you doing? Very nice to have you on. So what was going through your mind with this one, Hamish? Oh, look, I, I started watching uh, you know, at, at the first ball, but then I just, uh, when the Indian innings finished and 130 was the target, I just couldn't watch it. I was just too nervous. Mm. I had to go to bed. <laughs> I, 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 I was reminded of a, of a famous uh, cricket captain, uh, Harry Trotter, who was an Australian, and he actually, uh, as his team was getting closer and closer to the target, he had to get into a coach uh, outside the Oval and just ordered the coach driver to go around and around the, the Oval. I was just, I just couldn't bear it. Um, so, yeah, it was... It's just a, a wonderful day for New Zealand. Uh, you know, considering we took, uh, I think, twenty-five years to win our fir- first Test match. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't beat England for forty-seven years, uh, and now we're the top top of the tree. It's just uh, quite amazing. So tell me, I mean, having having written uh, uh, widely on cricket before, you know, like this, who's who on New Zealand cricket? How how do you think this side stacks up against other sides in New Zealand history? Well, I, th- I think that it's not really about individuals, but I will point out that Kane Williamson is almost certainly the best batsman New Zealand's ever had and National probably hero. in the top 10, 10 best batsmen ever. Uh, so, but but the, the great thing about the side is it's a team. And when you have a wonderful team like they had in Australia in the 90s and early thousands, you had the superstars like Shane Warne and... Uh, and Glenn McGrath and uh, Steve Waugh. But you you had everybody doing their part and doing it really well. And, and people like BJ Watling, a superb um, keeping job. Uh, you know, Tom Latham always takes the shine off the ball. Um, uh, 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 Nichols did, one, you know, one of the great catches of, of uh, test cricket uh, to win. Even Colin de Grandhomme, who didn't have a very big test, he actually changed the momentum uh, in our first innings, just by having a slash at the, at the Indian bowlers. So it is a team. It's all 11 of them have won, yeah. uh, even though you've got the superstar of Kane Williamson and, the, and the, a future superstar in Kyle Jameson. Let's go to our panel. I don't know, Sue Bradford, if you caught any of the cricket or not, or, or, or whether even you are a cricket fan. or <laughs> I, I, I have zero to say except huge <laughs> congratulations to the team. It's, it's obviously a great day for cricketers in, yes. in this country. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. Uh, I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying listening to Hamish on something that's totally unrelated to Wanganui Council and politics. So, <laughs> it's so good. We, our, our whole um, media call this morning, our, our, our morning uh, Zoom call with the staff was totally derailed where one staff in particular, um, who was actually originally scheduled for this panel, 
derailed the whole thing to give us ball by ball uh, uh, commentary or recount from the previous night. So I assess that there was a lot of New Zealanders that stayed up all night and found it very worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just I think uh, there was uh, uh, something in the Guardian called my eye, Hamish, uh, and this is a quote. This is cricket's new peak. Forget the hurly burly of the fifty over World Cups and the bash crash of the T Twenties. Test cricket is exactly that, a test of character. Mm. It's a battle of wits with so many twists and turns before the final outcome. And it's not lost on some, though, that in this fast-paced society, test cricket is a bit of an outlier, is it not? A game that takes several days to play. I mean, do you do you prefer test cricket? Oh, yes, absolutely. No, no I mean, it's, it, it takes five days or six days in, in this uh, example. Um, and you can have on the last day one team praying praying for the game to be called off because of rain. It's quite extraordinary when you think about a sport, a sport that allows that uh, as, a, uh, as a consequence. It's, it's just wonderful because it unfolds slowly. It's the, it's yeah. the difference, I think, uh, between watching uh, an episode of a soap opera, which would be the ODI, the Monday International, um, uh, and watching a, a miniseries. Right. Um, which you just don't know what's going to happen. The, the, the plot... Uh, Threads come together, um, and in the end, um, it was uh, you know, the, the perfect exposition when we won. Lovely to have you on, Hamish. Thank you for being with us. That is uh, Mary Wanganui there, uh, Hamish McDowell there. Uh, just uh, in a flash that's come to hand, uh, Dilworth School has confirmed a complaint against them has been laid with the Human Rights Commission. The board chair says details of the complaint are confidential to the commission and the school will not be making any further comment. 25 past four, you're on the panel with Sue Bradford and Jordan Williams this afternoon. To this now, if you're trying to shop less, the answer could be at your local library, writes Louise Woolhouse in an article for Ensemble magazine. She says, hiring a book that you're excited to read can be a similar feeling to purchasing a new product or item of clothing. And we can feed our hunger for newness with novels and magazines from the local library. And I asked for uh, those around the country to actually email or text in your favourite local library. Why do you like it? Here's one, Palmerston North, an amazing library, a lovely space and fantastic children's programmes. Last week, my seven-year-old made Potter potions, lots of science and magic, and this week they're learning about planet Earth, activities for all ages from babies to adults. And another one here, please, a big call to the wonderful staff at the Little Keys who have made our Lees Institute removal bearable, says the Ponsby resident. And Sue, I don't know about you, but is there a... I mean, how do you see this article? Um, Shopping less, the answer could be your local library. Oh, absolutely um, up my alley. Libraries have always been a saviour to me through my life since I was a small child, really, since I could read. Um, Libraries are like a home, a a place where you can always find excitement, where you can always find something new. It doesn't cost any money. It doesn't matter how broke you are, how sad you are. um, If you're into reading of any sort, fiction, non-fiction, magazines, heavy-duty heavy referencing, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. And when you've got small kids as well and not much money, also a great place because let the kids rip in the library. So they're, they're a taonga. Yes, and, they and certainly should, and, are. It should be, should be preserved and saved Absolutely. and supported. Absolutely, and supported far more than they are. Yeah. I hate to see the cuts to, our li- to the library system here in Auckland and how little goes into libraries in the far north and other parts of the country. We need a mm. lot more resources going in. Um, libraries are 
are the last, it's a, one of the last public spaces where people have access um, to, to knowledge, to everything. Of course, we have it on the internet, but it's quite different it's being able different, to borrow yeah. a book. I don't like this word, the hiring of books. Sounds like we're paying money. We're not. Okay. They're free. Whether we get them uh, physically or online, they're, f- they're a free, a free, um, a free, yeah, a, free, a koha to us all. Koha and to us library, all. Yeah. library power rocks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a tweet. Library power off the kilter. So, all right, Jordan Williams. No, I g- g- agree with all of that. It really annoys me that libraries are always the first to be cut and was sort of what's sort of taken by the politicians, sort of, you, you know, threading up with library hours, et cetera, or library funding. I have to plug. So here, you though. support, you support yeah, of course. library I mean, service. But I, I have, of course, of course, absolutely. Core, core, core um, role of, of, of councils. The, um, I do have to plug here, though, the St. Helier's um, uh, Glendowie Toy Library is absolutely fantastic. And between that and the local St. Helier's Library bringing home children's books, you can see the excitement. It you is can, really there, and it is... Um, and and that rubs off. Okay, so, so that's fun. that's a local example. Sue, is there an example for you of a of a library that you spent a bit of time in, or that you 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 go, oh, that's that's one I recall from from back in the day. Oh, my first library was the Avondale. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, the Avondale pub. I've been through many libraries in my life. Um, loved them all. The Avondale. Yeah, yeah that was the first one. <laughs> uh, someone says here, the Piha Library, never been, but the space looks magnificent in, in the hope that one day I will get there on a rainy day uh, keeps me going. What were the, um, the I just think, when I, my first memory of library is going, to, going and exploring all the train books when I was a kid. It wasn't the kids' books I remember, it was the big adult train books that I'd, I'd go through. Wallace, what was, what, what was your first memory of a, of a library? Because it is, it's, 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 you set up as a kid yeah. for this. Yeah. It was actually, you've got me thinking now, but it probably was the old um, Nelson Public Library. So this is a very old building. It's in a newish building now. And, uh, you know, it was cold, it was drafty, but I was into, for some reason I can recall being captivated uh, when I was about 13 to 14 in World War II history. So, and there was oh. one long, long shelf. And almost every afternoon, something else about World War II. It was just a hell of fascination. But books have always been, libraries have always been a bit of a bit of a special thing for me as well. Uh, and they keep on coming. Here's one as uh, well. Suzanne says, uh, the Waitohe Library in Johnsonville. So nice, a great cafe, meeting rooms, an awesome maker space in the hive. Sewing machines, music studios, virtual reality goggles, laser cutting, 3D printing available to the public. What? Free materials cost. That's an example, I guess, Sue, of the way that libraries have changed. I mean, what 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 Suzanne is talking about there compared to what I grew up in, or any of us. I think that's yeah. phenomenal. I've never heard of, but then I'd like to do a shout out to the wonderful work Auckland Central Library's done with homeless, with homeless people, and, and making um, people feel at home and providing services that actually cater and allow. Like for example, I don't know if it's happening now, but they were like having a place where people they could people could borrow books and leave books there so the books were safe. Um, really thinking through and having activities within for homeless people and reaching out to a part of the population that most most people don't want to know about. And I just think it's wonderful that libraries are stretching in all these different creative directions to different parts of the population because it is this public space. It is a commons mm. and we have very few commons left in very few places where you don't need money and, and you can still get yeah. huge personal um, ex- knowledge and 